experience at Casco Bay was shaped by all that an EL school provides from voyages to crew. As I shared last season, Nurse Bell became an important adult in my life. In this episode, we'll hear directly from Nurse Bell on the role she sees herself playing at Casco Bay and how she connects in the school and in the community to help support all the students that she serves. I'd love to start just hearing a little bit about being the nurse. How do you fit into that adult crew? And how is it similar or different to other schools that you work at or even being on the shared campus and having paths that obviously has a different approach? What's that look like and how does that work for you? Yeah, I think, you know, Derek Pierce, the principal, he fosters such professionalism and intimacy with his staff. And because it's relationship-centered school. And interesting, when I first started, it'll be 12 years now that I've complete in June, my master's thesis was on relationship-centered care. And using Gene Watson's nurse care theory, which he believes that relationships are at the center of all healing. So when I applied for the job, I was like, oh, I walked into the building and there's rigor, relevance, and relationships. And so the relationships, the ability to have the opportunity to be vulnerable with fellow staff and, and trust seemed to be apparent early on, this intimacy without being too cozy. I find it very uplifting. Uh, in the beginning, it, it wasn't foreign to me. It felt, it felt great. And in comparison to other schools, it, there is a difference for sure. We can have fun with one another at a real pretty much guttural level, but without being obnoxious. You know, we just respect one another and everyone's so talented there. So each person's gifts and talents are appreciated which is different, can be different in other schools where you can feel alienated. I don't feel distance apart from the staff at all, probably because I integrate myself naturally into what's needed for students from the get-go, and we can answer that a bit later. It's very different than PADS, and PADS is structured differently, too, because it's a Votech school, their morning-afternoon sessions. The staff are, are I, I don't have those relationships. I have professional relationships with them, and, and certainly they work well, but there's not the cohesiveness to support the students. One of it's because their culture is different. But here, with relationships at the center of the value of a school, you naturally have to be that as a professional there. And if it's not something that you like, then usually people will, you know, kind of just naturally fade out and or go elsewhere. The next question I have for you, Nurse Bell, is how did you build relationships with students outside of the ones who would come into your office when they were feeling ill or when they needed just like to talk to you in general? Yes, like Margarita who comes in and say good morning every morning. It was so awesome. And um, I chose to get involved early with the school because they have crew night, eighth grade night. In the summer, there's an ice cream social for the incoming freshmen. So I would attend because I'd also want to meet the parents. And I wanted the parents to see who I was so they know that they can always reach out to me and so on. And so then the students, I'd reach out to them when there was needs. Even if they didn't come to see me when sick, we also have a student support team of which I'm a part of, the social workers, the student life director, and the principal. So we work cohesively and collaboratively to help students meet needs. So I would know a lot about their mental health, perhaps before the social worker would know, know a background, students come in, or they don't come in and they 
tap into the other services available. And then I would go and meet the student and have that relationship. They didn't have to be physically ill for me to do that. And certainly within the pandemic, you know, last year it was really key because we were encouraging vaccines and it was really strong vaccine push on my part, pretty solo, but within the structure of the of the school. And, and of course, in a classic example, Mr. Pierce had to make it a kind of friendly competition to whose grade would have the most vaccines by May. So, and, but that's the nature of the school. So, you know, there were kids getting vaccines. So I just become integrated part of the community. So Nurse Bell, you mentioned how you worked with like Mr. Pierce and the Casco Bay High School social workers to make sure that you get access to even students who don't approach you. Do you do the same for Pat? Or is that just like a Casco Bay thing for Nurse Bell? Yeah, I'd say it's pretty much Casco Bay because of the, certainly the two shifts, but it's a, and so for PADS, there are 12 sending schools. So while I have a good relationship with all the nurses of those sending schools, which in this pandemic turned out to be a side benefit, I don't have the close relationships with students there. They're, one, they're only here a couple hours, but there's almost no need to. It's just different. And I have to say, I did kindergarten. I did K-5 school nursing one day a week back in the 2000s, and you develop the relationships, but it's not the same. Students are used to being approached with things that perhaps are a vulnerable part of who they are and need that help. About five years ago, I recall a student who was outside my office crying. She was a junior, and she I heard her sobbing, so I went out. I didn't really have a strong rapport with her. I knew who she was. And we brought her in, and sure enough, she you know, kept saying it was a stomach ache, but it was a somatic illness, and she wound up having some really strong issues at home that needed addressing and um, reporting and so on. So as far as you can be friendly and compassionate and, you know, within a culture that values relationships, it's effortless. It really is. I don't work hard at it. It just happens, I think. I'm really struck listening to you. I think one of the things Margarita said last season that stood out to us was that she really experienced you as coming to the students versus waiting for them to come to you. And I'm hearing so much of that in what you're saying, right? And that that was modeling that vulnerability, but also modeling for them that you really are truly there and invested. And so it's really interesting to see how that relationship foundation in the school has led to that experience. You mentioned how you attend school events because you don't have the in-classroom access to the students. So you have to attend like the ice cream socials. You go to the quest with them so you can get to know them. But uh, what other events do you attend or how as a team member of Casco Bay High School, do you get to know the broader Portland community outside of just Casco Bay High School? Yeah. Not too many. I mean, I do. Uh, sometimes I'll go to a concert, particularly with persons of color. I enjoy the African music and so on, and we'll do that. You know, I live in Westbrook, so I'm right outside here. But the broader community, when you're a public health nurse, you're already, and, and there's a team of nurses in the community, there's a broad knowledge base of community foundations. So you've got siblings at the other schools. You know the cultures. I often have worked summer school, so then I would rotate around to the elementary schools. I've taken care of the Breathe program and beaches over at Ocean Avenue and just have a sense of what our community is about. As you know, it's 
pretty different. And when I talk to my family out of state and or friends in my hometown, and I've been up in Maine over 35 years, but still they'll be like, you have that for a community. They don't realize that we're so diverse and we have uh, you know, 64 spoken languages here. We're talking about the idea of a, of a learning ecosystem, and it really ties into the public health model, right? And that there are lots of different folks that play a role. And so wondering with your students how much a school-based health center is their medical home and how you, as a nurse, interact with the wide range of community health providers and, and what that looks like in terms of services and referrals and information sharing how you're able to build that network. Oh, very much so. We have access to their scheduling portal. So we have their server. So all the high school nurses are able to get on and schedule students. We have clinics running twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. It's been a a godsend. And we get students in, and that's another trust level too. Students will be like, particularly African girls will come in with horrible dysmenorrhea and be suffering. And I'll be like, you know, we can get that. And then we have the conversation around what does that look like to be put on birth control and then to break uh, the cultural barriers that go with that and, and also being a broker for them with the parents to say this is not, this is our medicine to help them and so on. So there's that and everything from sports physicals, but we get students in. I had a student this week who I had to get an interpreter in, a deaf interpreter and so on to work the student had fragments of care in the past three years. So we got two deaf interpreters in, the mom to come in who doesn't speak his language and so on. And so the nurse, I coordinated all that. It's wonderful. And the students, the enrollment, before the pandemic, our enrollment was almost two-thirds of the student body. And you know, Margarita, that's a lot. This year, not so much. Our dental program, we had just seen our 100th student the day before we closed down for the pandemic. 100 out of 400, it's huge for prophylactic cleaning. And this year I only have 35 kids, about 40. Actually, I had three seniors just come in and get, they want some things done before they go to college. So I get them in, get their papers, get consent signed and so on. So we're very active. That's, I'm, I kind of even forgot about that, but where it's a huge role part that we're very fortunate in Portland to have that service. You've mentioned social workers, you've mentioned the principal, you've mentioned the broader community, but how do you work with teachers to ensure that students are getting supported? And how do you identify students who need support when they're not reaching out to you? Yeah, so example just happened today. I was in the kitchen heating up my lunch and one of the teachers was speaking to another teacher about a student pretty significant issue going on right now at the home. He was crying in the hallway today and there's some, you know, possibility of being homeless and so on. So I, I looked at him and, you know, and I, I could almost think who it was. And sure enough, it was who I thought it was. And so then I said, well, he's been in my office too. And both he and his brother have been sick and they sent tend to get sick often. I've been on the phone with the mom a lot. Mom's never shared what the student had shared today about the stepdad being very ill. And so the conversations I do go to team meetings here and there, grade level meetings when we have professional development. So, you know, you're having conversation because there's that intimacy and trust in the relationships at all the levels. I've been there 12 years, so I do know a lot of the staff and they're very comfortable. They're actually overbearing with their love, you know, to me, they're like appreciative. I'm like, well, I'm just doing my job. And 
I want to support them the best they can when they need me. They sense that students, something's going on. They'll come and let me know or email, send me an email, and then I'll pursue it. And then if it needs social work, then we wrap the whole team in. Very much a team player. And I think nurses are by nature team players. So that's really making me think, I mean, you know, our podcast is called Changing the Odds. Karen has for a long time talked about we need to build systems that change the odds for young people rather than celebrating and connecting with one young person to help them beat the odds, that we really have to make that systemic change. It sounds like there's a lot of who you are as Nurse Bell that drew you to Casco Bay, but that there's lots of other places that you work, right? And so wondering a little bit, we hear a lot about other 50% of the workforce in schools that aren't teachers. You know, for a long time, they were referred to as the hidden half, that there just isn't that as much awareness and attention to them. And so wondering your take on for nurses and other schools, for school leaders, what does it look like to really engage the nurse as part of this changing the odd solution? Well, a lot of it has to do with the culture that the leadership at the school has. So I spent four years on the state board, a main association of school nurse board as education co-chair. So I'd run conferences. And so when I had a lot of experience at that, when I worked at Acadia Hospital in Bangor as an outreach education coordinator, the state school nurses have a meeting once a week. Well, they have since COVID every Wednesday. So there's 291 nurses in Maine who get on and, and they're led by the state school nurse consultant to update on all this other stuff that's going on. And both my time on the board and then witnessing how school nurses in some districts and in those schools are not supported at all administratively and by teachers. And a lot of that has to do from the top administration on down. I mean, there were superintendents who weren't even, who were half even believing COVID was real in for 2020. So there's that. But that also is a microcosm of that district's issues anyway, prior to COVID, because I would just think to myself, oh, I'm not surprised. And so the nurse then would struggle or the community didn't value school nurses, just like they're valuing teachers. So at Portland, you know, we had utmost in support from administration and they, particularly in the past two years, bent over backwards to give us what we needed, and especially in the past four months when we were literally crying out for help to say, we, we, this is too much. They hired temps, they gave us stuff and did what they could. So I think if it starts at the top, there's a hierarchy in education system that starts from the top. So whether you build it framework as a district that's going to value teachers in education, especially now with the whole question about race and books and everything else. And then you're going to build that hierarchy within the school system and the school itself that values everyone who's working towards the better of the person, which is the student. So when you feel valued, people will produce, people will come forth with immeasurable energy to combine all that energy and value to making the student and their experience better. How can we be their best selves? So I think it's a hierarchical, bigger structure because I know there are districts all through Maine who don't have the resources financially. There's one school nurse for the entire district of 1,400 kids, you know, so there's that and so on. So the just doesn't have the time to build those relationships. I feel fortunate we're capped at 400. I can do that relationship building with Casco Bay. 
which is, again, part of the culture of EL schools. They keep it that way to keep them small and intimate. When you can be small and intimate, things happen. That's huge. And I think such a great point to really think about that value and trust and how it spreads throughout. That if you're not setting up all the staff to engage, you're not going to be able to have them engaging all the kids. I get the sense, again, Nurse Bell, at your core, you're thinking about changing those odds for every young person, about building the relationships, about giving them that solid foundation. But what does that look like at Casco Bay? How much is it, is there an opportunity for every young person to engage and connect in the way that Margarita did? And what do you see as the difference between those that return the relationship and connection and those that don't? Yeah, I think about this year, it's particularly been interesting with the pandemic. We are trending the way the national news and that's speaking to kids with, you know, they're behind, um, kids that are having trouble developing relationship because of being out for a year or having somewhat remote virtual learning and behaviors. You know, we've had probably the most altercations in our school this year that I've seen in a while. I think, Marguerite, you've been around. We had, you know, one Tuesday and about once every two weeks, which is very unusual. At SST, we talked about it at student support team meeting, which we meet every week, how we can reach these students even more so. And so one of the things that came up this week was that the guidance counselor, so Ms. Doyle, Mr. Hale, Ms. Hampton, and then social workers, Ms. Furman and Ms. Stubbs, are going to go in front of the student body, I think, next Wednesday, is it, to say, you know, here's who we are. Just a, re- a reminder again, because there is a gap of about 20 months where the kids don't know anyone. You know, like I said, and I feel like even our data, when we did a relative feeling challenge, and there was a connection thing just last week on our students being challenged and who did they have a relationship with? Do they feel they have a significant relationship with someone? The numbers in the sophomore class still were lower than you would think. And I think it has to do with they were only in school one day a week last year. They would come in the afternoons on Mondays, where we, he did the freshman Monday, Tuesday. So they have some consistency of finding out what this building is about, even though they stayed in that one part of downstairs there. So there's that piece of really etching out and going after. We know who are being read. The teachers report on a spreadsheet to student support team, students in red and yellow, green, and not just academic, but having trouble connecting you know, not doing well with their peers, et cetera, et cetera. So all that is important. And then it folds in together with the word gets out and so on. And we're on it is what we always say. We're on it. I have two final questions. The first one is how did COVID-19 impact your overall relationship with students? Oh, it diminished them greatly because, you know, when it started a year ago, suddenly found myself home and all these kids that are in my head is what I would say. You know, I got to check on this one and this one here, this one here, this one here. See how she's doing with her homework. Is she getting done? Did I talk to Mr. Burke about her? What's that follow up? That's always going. There's always a script going around kids like, you know, find her. I heard she wasn't doing this. And then I'll, I can sometimes just kind of get after kids. Hey, you know, I heard you're struggling in Mr. Burke's class. And also then kids realize we're on it. See, they realize like, how's a nurse know that I'm struggling in math class? You know, maybe they don't think that, but still, so they know we're all connected. It had nothing. And here was working at home. And then we did have needs. We were delivering food and, and so on from March to June, delivering boxes. The nurses got involved doing those, that kind of outreach because there wasn't anything for us to, to do other than try to figure out what we're going to do next year. 
But again, I had no one coming to the office last year. Juniors and seniors started to come probably April of last year when things, yeah, March, April, when vaccines and so on. And we could go back into those. So we're not only testing and so on, but we were working on vaccines, at least at the high school level, that was different per school. So I lost that. I did lose that year. Like I said, when I even doing vision screening this year, uh, I had to do one third of the 10th grade class because they just weren't in school. So I lost that dynamic. We pretty much all, but I think we all did in some way. Uh, Well, maybe not teachers too much, but so yeah, it was a year and a half lost for that. And now we're just trying to catch up with it all psychosocially, social and emotional learning. My last question would be, what's your advice for other school nurses out there? Because you obviously have limited amounts of time with students. You do not get to see them every day like their teachers. What do you think nurses can do better so that students can also take the first step of, oh, I have a nurse who I can go talk to, or I have someone to go say hi to at the office? I am mentoring some new nurses in our district. They've just been here. They started a year ago. One started right before the pandemic, and then one started that year. So that's all they've known. And a lot of times, school nurses will often come from clinical settings. It's more about building relationship. I will say to them, like, get to know your kids. Maybe show up at some of their events, or I I don't go to a lot of stuff, but I, I will, during the day, be visible to them beyond your office. And also know that, you know, you can attend SST meetings beyond that, be a voice for them for social emotional learning and so on. So they get to know they can come to you for not something that's just a physical ailment. So I think school nurses, if they can build relationships with their students, the students will also not feel like that the nurse is a foreign entity of the school, but that they're part of the system. Healthcare is part of schools. When students aren't healthy, things go wrong, as we know. And I think as a society or in embracing mental health, I can say when I started 10 years ago, we were begging for more social work and more to get that involved. Now we are beefed up with counselors from Greater Portland Health, our partnership with Greater Portland Health to run the school-based health clinics, get those kids in. It's almost 100% from when I first started because we've seen it and and school nurses did identify that certain, a lot of the conferences that I ran be like, 80% of my job was mental health. That's all I was doing was referring kids. So at the same time, there's been that destigmatizing of mental health too, right? So there's a couple of kind of trending platforms that we've all been working on. Allowing students to know that you're part of that, that you can be trusted for mental health is a big one. Because, you know, without that, things go awry. Is there anything else that either of you want to add or consider as we think about the important role of, of all the staff in the school building, those broader connections to students' relationships? Takes a village, old cliche, but it does. And for parents to know they feel welcome at Casco Bay, I think that's a huge piece, a welcoming office. You know, it was more difficult in the past year because we had to limit visitors and so on, but it's, it's going back. It's fine. We're, we're past that. You know, we won't return to what it was, thankfully. And it takes a village to make us all stay well. It really does. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You know that the work of school nurses is never easy. So thank you for all that you're doing. And thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. You're welcome. I'm honored to be asked. Thank you, Margarita. 
As I listened to the conversation with Becky Bell, I was reminded how clearly the spirit of crew at Casco Bay is grounded in relationships. While teachers are key to shaping learning environments where all young people can learn, the other adults in the building play an equally important role in helping them thrive. Nurse Bell gave us examples of how she has opportunities to connect with young people in different ways or has insights that can help them ensure that they feel safe and have a sense of belonging. As you reflect on this week's conversation, consider how the relationships between school and community can be supported beyond just teachers and principals. What would it look like if Aaron and Kelly from the last two episodes could also build connections with Nurse Bell? How might a community's public health system become a fully integrated part of the community's learning system as both seek to support positive youth development and long-term thriving? Join us next week as we talk with one of Casco Bay's school counselors, Stephanie Doyle. Visit us at changingtheoddsremix.com to learn more about the health supports at Casco Bay High School. Follow us on social media to join the conversation about the power of community in learning and development ecosystems.